Welcome, my friends, to the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, find our sweet spot, and planting our seeds to watch them grow in our magic garden. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. are you doing today's guest is angelique robeson so i want to talk about it to angelique because she's just an empowering person we're just gonna hear her story you know she's done a tedx already she works with a lot of organizations who talk about social activists i mean that's really what angelique is so angelique how are you doing this, this morning i'm doing well how are you doing i'm doing great i support this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so life life is life is good, but I'd love to hear about you because I know we we met we were on the same similar journey uh, at least through TEDx Farmingdale uh, 2020, mm-hmm. and uh, love to hear about. We're going to talk about y- your speech because that's all that social empowerment and social justice piece. But I'd love to hear what's going on with you. Honestly, uh, so currently I am a senior at Farmingdale State College, um, and I'm actually in my last week, so. I'm in the home stretch. I'm in the home stretch. Um, and I'm so ready to graduate. Um, but aside from that, I am still much on my social justice activism route. Um, and more so towards education. Uh, so currently, um, I am working with um, an administration at FSC um, and, other stu- and other students at FSC to create uh, our first diversity center. Uh, We called it DICE, which stands for the Diversity Inclusion Center for Equity. Um, And it's basically a center that we're putting together to help students of color um, and students in underrepresented groups. So students who are black, Hispanic, Asian, um, students part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so, you know, express themselves freely, be who they are freely, and also to help educate other students who may not be as aware or knowledgeable about, you know, the different cultures and the different aspects that, you know, some of these students and these underrepresented groups, you know, come from or are a part of. Um, on top of that, I am also um, part of an internship uh, and Uh, This internship is with a business called Historical Black Knowledge. And this organization or this business was created by two incredible women um, who are putting together a African-American curriculum that will be implemented in elementary schools. Um, And as somebody who grew up in a low-income, majority-filled community my entire life, um, you know, and going to elementary school where majority of the students were Black or Hispanic, but a lot of the teachers were white. Um, I thought that this was something incredibly important. And um, I felt that this was something that I felt like, you know, your African-American history and your culture is something that you should learn when you're young. Um, And I feel like had I learned about that, maybe I would have joined HBCU um, or maybe I would have got involved in diversity and social justice a lot often. Um, Not a lot of people know this because, you know, my whole aspect is about social justice and diversity, but I didn't really get involved in it until maybe my sophomore, junior year of college. So I wasn't always involved in diversity or social justice. And I wouldn't say I didn't have an interest in it. I just, 
I felt like I didn't necessarily have a way to get to it or be more exposed to it. I was presented with my first research opportunity um, that I kind of started getting more aware and more involved. Um, so the first ever research project that I did was based on um, working with immigrant owner women, um, immigrant owners and how they kind of affect or shape the market economy. And the basis for this was, as we all know, we had a recession in 08, 09. You know, during this recession, a lot of businesses closed, market crashed. And, but when you look at some of the statistics, it shows that when you take a look at businesses that are, you know, formed from Native, you know, Americans, as opposed to people who've come from different countries, the businesses that come from different, with owners that come from different countries seem to have bounced back a lot quicker than from business owners who were born here in America. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, you sit there and look at how is this possible? What, what are they doing? You know, how, how can they do this? How do they bounce back so quickly? And so from that and working with a lot of um, immigrant business owners and getting to know their story and looking at the information, um, I kind of started my track on um, social justice and uh, minority rights. Um, and then I got involved with a nonprofit organization called Girls Inc. of Long Island. And if people haven't heard about them, um, they are a nonprofit organization that mentors young girls from elementary school to high school on different things such as college and career preparedness, financial literacy, leadership skills. And basically, well, the reason for them to, for them doing this in the classroom, there tends to be a lot of gender bias. Um, and so when we look at math and sciences um, or engineering or technical work, you know, people kind of see it as a sort of male dominated area. Even when we're in the classroom itself, you know, it's said statistically wise that boys tend to be a lot more rowdy. Um, and so they need more attention from teachers, you know, to get them to concentrate, to focus. Whereas girls are kind of pushed back to the side because, you know, they're expected to focus and they're expected to learn and, you know, be attentive. Um, and so because of this, they kind of get that lack of attention in the classroom. Um, and so through Girls Inc., girls get to be in a girl empowerment environment and get to learn things outside the classroom. So, you know, in school, one thing that you realize as you grow up is that, you know, they don't really teach us about mortgage um, or rent or taxes or any of that necessarily in high school. Um, and so that's what Girls Inc. does. It brings them that real life, authentic mentorship um, that girls can use as they get older um, and maybe even come back and be a mentor to other girls. And so for Girls Inc., I did research as well, kind of figuring out how well their curriculum was and how effective they were for so many girls in this program. And mind you, Girls Inc. has programs all over the island, from Long Beach to Patchog. Um, and so it was so interesting to see the different schools and the different places. Some schools were in very high income areas. Some schools were very low income areas. Um, and it was great to see the different dynamics of girls um, in these different places. Because mind you, I live in the center of the island. And so that's what I'm, I'm accustomed to. So if you don't live in the center of the island, I don't know what your town looks like. I don't know anything about it. And so after working with Girls Inc., I started uh, getting more involved in social justice. Um, and 
it, it was then that I realized that my focus wasn't solely on immigration, which was something I was incredibly passionate about seeing, being that my mother came here as a immigrant. My sh- focus kind of shifted from immigration solely to social justice as a whole. Um, because I guess at the time I didn't realize just how big this category was that, you know, it was basically an umbrella for so many other things that fell, un- that fell under it. And so not only do I have immigration and women empowerment under my belt, now I'm transitioning, I believe, into my junior year of college. I started, you know, kind of preparing myself for, you know, it's my senior year. I got to make sure my transcript is right. I got to make sure everything is good. And so my, see, my junior year comes by and um, by the end of my junior year is when COVID-19 hit and everything shut down. So many opportunities that I had just went away. And it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest time um, for the first time. And I think eh, that I could, in my entire life, my mental health took a sharp decline, just went left. I developed anxiety. And as somebody who's a big social butterfly, because I love being around people, I am just the biggest extrovert. <laughs> um, and so kind of going from being around everybody to just being by myself, just doing my work by myself, not really having anywhere to go, it, it, it took a toll on me. Um, but of course, you know, when one door closes, another one tends to open or even a, a small little window. Um, and so during this time, a, um, a faculty advisor, a mentor of mine, um, proposed the idea or introduced me to a um, organization called CHCI or the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute. Um, and I had applied to this internship right before the pandemic. So I had completely forgot about it. I just went right over my head. Um, but it wasn't until I got an email that said, you know, you've been accepted into the next round. And I was a little confused because I was like, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, at first I thought it was another, oh, sorry, we're closed for COVID type of email. Um, but it wasn't. Um, and so I talked to my advice and she said, you know, go through with it. It sounds really good. And so I went to the orientation. I went, I went to their webinar and, um, you know, still kind of in my low mental state, you know, they were saying how, you know, so many people apply, thousands of students applied, and they only accept about 20 students. And so I'm over here panicking. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not going to get accepted. But I go through with it. I do the interview process. And then I get a call and says, you know, Angelique, you know, you've been accepted to be a part of our, our incoming cohort. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I got in. Now, I had mixed feelings about this only because this internship, I was originally supposed to go to D.C. for four months. I was supposed to be in New York. Um, and so I had a lot of mixed feelings about that. I, um, I've been fortunate that a lot of my, you know, the schools I went to, the jobs I worked at, my internships have all been around, you know, where I live. Because as I said, I live in the center of the island. So everything is in close proximity to where I need to be. You know, I went to elementary school two minutes away from where I live. I went to high school five minutes away. I go to college 10 minutes away from where I live. Um, My internship was 15 minutes away. So everything was close to me. So the idea of spending four months in a different state that was nowhere near where I live, um, definitely, you know, my, my, I was anxiety filled. Get out of your comfort zone, right? It's, it's, It's a little bit about getting out of your comfort zone. 
Um, right. You know, and, and that's the, the, the part. That's the growth part is because everything in your comfort zone is nice because it's a comfort zone, but it's the growth that you're doing. And that's what gives you that empowerment. Right. Exactly. Um, and on, you know, on top of that, I, I'm the only girl, uh, I, I have two older brothers. And so I'm the, I'm the only girl, I'm, I'm the baby of the family. <laughs> so, you know, when the baby of families, you know, about to go, every, everybody, you know, their nerves are high. They're like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> Oh, you're leaving. You can't go. Um, and then, of course, they said, because of COVID, we won't be in person. And I was like, it's okay. It's fine. I will take the opportunity. At least I get in. At least they're not being canceled. And so um, during the duration of this um, internship, um, a lot kind of changed for me after that. So I got accepted maybe end of May-ish around that time, um, maybe June. I mean, a lot of, a lot changed for me, like at the drop of a hat, it changed. Um, so many things changed in my personal life and my professional. And while it was all good, don't get me wrong, I was having a great time living my best life. It was the summer. I mean, it was still COVID, but you know, people was able to go out just a tiny bit. I didn't realize just how much I had to adjust until everything just kind of came together. Um, because I realized that I was so good at keeping my personal and my professional life or my academic life separate. And what I mean by that is um, I, I almost explain it as, as if I had two different personas. So at home, I was Angelique, you know, this one person tending to everything mom needs, um, you know, kind of keeping to myself, being the person everybody needs at school. That's who. I really was. That's who, that's, that was the, my time to shine. And so I created my own environment. I had, I knew who I wanted around me. I know who I didn't want around me. Uh, you know, I was, I was doing my own thing. I was creating my, my future. And so when COVID kind of hit, that's when my worlds kind of collide. And that's, that's when I realized that I, I had a choice between who people wanted me to be and who I actually was. And it was difficult. It was it was very, very difficult going into progressing through this internship and actually starts. I remember the very first time we had class, not like orientation or anything, but the very first time we had class, I remember we were doing uh, a simulation and we, you know, we were there was the jury and and the prosecutors and, and this, this and that. And we were going through a case. And mind you, majority of the people in this internship were poli sci majors, so political science majors, um, or have planned to be, you know, work in legislative, uh, work for, for congresswomen and men, plan to work for the government. I, however, had no such plans. I was the only business major in the entire class. I was just blinded by what was going on. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what anything meant. And I remember after the class was over, I kind of just sat there and cried because it was the first time that I have felt like I didn't belong somewhere. Made me feel some type of way only because I'm known as the person who can adapt to my environment very quickly. And this was an environment I couldn't adapt to. I couldn't really get into it. I felt like I didn't belong there. I felt like everybody in that group kind of had a purpose or had a reason to be there. And I was just kind of like, okay, here I am. This, this black sheep that was here and just didn't know what she was doing. Um, and 
I didn't, I couldn't really explain how I was feeling, but I just knew that I felt like I didn't belong. And that's when I stumbled upon imposter syndrome for the very first time. Now, I didn't necessarily hear about it too much, um, but it wasn't until I was in that predicament that I started to learn what it was. And so for those who don't necessarily know what imposter syndrome is, it is kind of basically how I was feeling. It's, it's the feeling that you don't necessarily belong in an environment. Um, you, you know, that don't have a place, um, but you're in there. You just don't know why you're there. You don't feel like you belong there, but you're there. It, it was really bad. And on top of that, you know, a lot of the students there, you know, were Hispanics. Um, hence the name Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute. Um, and so a lot of people there were Hispanics and they spoke Spanish and, you know, they were really into their Hispanic culture. I, on the other hand, just a quick background on me. My mother's from Mexico and my dad is African-American. So I'm half Black, half Hispanic, split down the middle. Um, but my mother's family, you know, lives in Mexico. Um, That's not that. Those aren't those aren't cheap plane tickets. Those are not cheap plane tickets. So after after I think about the age of 12, I didn't really go to Mexico and I haven't been back since then. So it's been it's been a while. Um, but my dad's other family, they more or less, they live here. My family live, you know, in Elmont, Hempstead, Queens. Um, so they're, they're here. Um, and those are the people I kind of grew up with my entire life. I kind of going back to having different personas, I realized I kind of did that in every aspect, including my culture. So when I was in middle school, elementary school, high school, a majority of the students would kind of be Black. Well, a majority of students were, you know, African-American, I would kind of expose my Hispanic side. So, you know, I would talk about my Mexican heritage and, and everything that went with that. Um, but it wasn't until one time um, a student who, a foreign student from Venezuela, um, he kind of looked at me and was speaking Spanish to me. And don't get me wrong, I understand Spanish. I can read it. I can write it. Um, but when it comes to speaking, I get very nervous. I have no idea why, but I get very nervous. And so he's speaking to me in Spanish and I'm just, he's, you know, expecting me to speak Spanish back to him. And he says, I will never forget this, but he says, you know, you're not really Spanish because you don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And my feelings were hurt um, because my, I didn't grow up speaking Spanish like most of my Hispanic friends do. My mother didn't really teach us growing up. Um, so I didn't learn, I didn't really learn, I didn't really learn Spanish until maybe middle school and I didn't feel comfortable speaking Spanish until maybe my senior year of high school. And so, you know, him saying, you know, you're not really Spanish unless you speak Spanish. I was like, oh my gosh, am I really not Spanish? And so, you know, when I would be around more Hispanic students, I would kind of expose my African-American side, which they, they would see me more as black than Hispanic. I'm this Afro-Latinx girl you know, being in this internship, it kind of exposed more to more of, you know, what being Afro-Latinx is. And that's why I realized I had imposter syndrome because I was so used to being one way or another. I was never used to being both. And this kind of ties in with my personal and academic professional life. Everything was just coming together and I had no idea how to handle it. I had no clue as to how this was going to happen, but I was getting through it. And so, um, just like those two pieces of my life, it became a sense of, okay, now both of these things are present. I'm living both of these things at the same time. Um, And it was going well, but then it became a problem because I realized that because I had been one way in one situation and another way in a different situation or environment, 
now conjoining these two, it was hard for people to register, you know, what was real, what was not, who was Angelique, who wasn't Angelique. Um, so, you know, being Afro-Latinx, it was more of, you know, when in, to my Black side, I'm more Hispanic, to my Hispanic side, I'm more Black. Personal and professional career, it was, oh, Angelique is this way, Angelique changed, Angelique, you know, isn't this person, Angelique actually is this person. And so it was kind of a great deal of going back and forth between and establishing and distinguishing that this is who I am, this is what I want to do. And then it kind of got into, okay, we don't like that. And that's how it, that started to kind of roll over from one person to another. We don't like that. I'm not used to this change. Like, I don't like that. You change. You're different. I don't like that. Um, well, the question I want to ask you, you, let me just ask you a question. So when, when people yeah. said that, did you, is that when you started saying, well, I like myself the way I am and start forming who Angelique is today, right? You know, rather than being in, in that imposter sy syndrome where you're, you know, I, I'm being this way with this set of group and, and, and even at home, right? You, you just started being now Angelique. I, um, like, I think uh, I said this before. I was a person who was known as adapting to my environment. So if something went this way, I just went right along with it. But for the first time, I wasn't doing that. So if something was this way, but I didn't want it that way, now I started rolling how I wanted it to go. Um, and that also played into you change. You're different. This is not who you are. Um, and it was really tough. It, it was really tough to hear, you know, you change. Because when people say, oh, you change, it's automatically a negative thing in my mind. Like, oh my God, I changed. I'm changing for the worse or for the best. Going into, furthering into this, um, this internship, I teamed up or paired to work with um, Congresswoman Yvette Clark, who represents the ninth district in Brooklyn. Um, and so I would be, I was working as a communications intern for her. And so around that time, I started working with um, Cong the Congresswoman. Um, was also when I was approached to do the TEDx. And so um, part of the TEDx team is somebody by the name of Dylan Gaffarian. And Dylan Gaffarian did a TEDx talk the year before. And so knowing kind of my story um, and knowing how I was feeling at the time, he said, you know, what? I think you'd be really great to do this. And so I know Dylan personally because he's one of my um academic advisors at Farmingdale State College. And so Dylan is, has become a mentor to me, a close friend. And so he kind of pitched the idea to do this. And I was like, but I don't know what I would talk about. I don't know what I would say. And he goes, well, look how you're feeling. You feel like you have imposter syndrome. You're going through this pandemic. You're doing all these things. I think that's a great story. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll think of something. And so I started writing out um, how I was feeling. And I was kind of taking a look at everything that was going on between my two heritages, who I was becoming, who I wanted to be. Um, and I realized that I did have a story, that this was something that was worth talking about. And so writing my TEDx talk, um, I had come up with the idea that I wanted to share a bit about who I was as a student, who I was as a person. Coming up with my TEDx talk, I decided to write about um, how growing up as a student in a low-income, you know, environment, I had, you know, people, oh, Angelique, you're doing great. Angelique, you're doing wonderful. Um, but then uh, at the same time, now those same people were like, you kind of changed. You 
you're, you know, you, you switched up. You're not the person you used to be. Um, and then adding my imposter syndrome into that, I was like, well, this is something people need to hear. Um, and so one moment in my sophomore year of college, um, I had a mentor who was, you know, going over a, uh, a personal statement with me. And she was looking at my transcript in my resume. <clears throat> and she said this, and to this day, it, I think forever, I will always remember this. She looks at my transcript and she goes, oh, she was like, wow. She was like, you know, you, you're doing really well. She's like, you do, you're doing really well. And I was like, thank you. You know, it's nothing I haven't heard before, but she goes and says, you know, you're doing really well because, you know, statistically, uh, as somebody who lives in a low-income community, somebody who's Black, somebody who's Hispanic, somebody who lives in a single-parent home, you know, you're, you're not supposed to be doing as well as you are. You're supposed to be dropped out. You're supposed to be, um, you know, you're supposed to be failing. You probably shouldn't even be finishing college, but you're doing incredibly well. And I, I remember I, I came out of that meeting and I was... I, I was flabbergasted to say the least because I had never heard of anything like that before. Um, but it stuck with me. Um, and it stuck with me because as I progressed in, you know, getting involved in my diversity and my social justice, you know, I was like, people have this perception of me. And that's what everything was about. Everything was about perception. You know, people had the perception that I changed. People thought I had the perception I was more Hispanic than Black. People had the perception that you're more academic focused or you're more focused on your friends or you change or this way and that way. And it was all about perception. Um, <clears throat> and so for so long, because people had this perception of me and I never said anything, I was like, okay, you think I'm that way? Sure, I'm not with them. Um, now is about changing that perception and taking control of your own narrative. And that was something very hard for me to do. Um, because again, I just went with the flow. Just whatever, whichever way the ball rolled, I rolled right along with it. And so for the first time, I was taking control and standing up for myself. I, I've kind of just let, let back. And I, and I told you that I was going to do that just so you could hear it. But this is exactly what Peace, Love, and Bring a Bad is about. It's, you know, obviously you're very passionate about, you know, what you're doing and what you want to do to be empowerment. Uh, and the bring a bat piece even is that take a stand and that opportunity to find your non-negotiables. That's exactly where you're, you escaped from your imposter syndrome. Uh, I'm loving this. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, that's, it, it's kind of like how I did escape my imposter syndrome. Granted, I still feel like in some way I still have it. Um, but what I did was instead of letting it give me anxiety or kind of take over, I worked with it and now I use it for my advantage. Um, and so kind of like my TEDx, I use it to inspire people and show them that, Hey, a lot of people have this. Um, I think I said in my TEDx that this is most common within women and business, Hispanics, Asians, and black students. And so this gave me a way to be like, hey, you know, this is something that a lot of us have. And I understand how it may make you feel, but I promise you, it's not going to, it, this doesn't have, it doesn't have to end you. It doesn't have to be the end all be all. Like this can be your motivator to do what you want to do. Um, and I kind of used it in that way. It's more of that we live in a society that wasn't designed for our level of success mm -hmm. or our level 
of, you know, drive. Um, and I thought that was very interesting because I had never looked at it that way. And I know I keep using the word perception, but I'm very big on that. I am the type of person who likes to look at everything from a different angle, from different perspectives. Um, and so it was a different perspective that I had never really considered, but it was an interesting one. Um, granted, I still think I have imposter syndrome. Don't get me wrong. I think it exists. Well, I think, I, I think we all question it. Yeah, I think we all question it. And, and I love that you said perception because I, I think a lot of that is if we only operate from our own perspective, we all think we're, we're good individuals and things like that that you need to see other people's perspectives and how it is. We, we have not been taught. Uh, traditional education has not taught us from different perspectives. They've only taught us yeah. from one perspective, and that's the challenge. It doesn't fit uh, for everybody. Even the way we, we learn, it doesn't fit for everybody. Some people need other pieces of you know, different ways, different input, right? Some people are, are practical learners. Some people are book learners. that They could read a book, and they get it the whole way. So I really love it. Who I am and who they want me to be are two very different people and kind of took off all the little remnants of who people wanted me to be. And I was completely comfortable, you know, in my true form. That's when, that's when things, you know, my life, my, my career, my path started to shape itself. Um, you found and your superpowers, right? Like a, like a superhero, you found your superpowers and how to use them. I mean, you know, there's yep. the, the stories all the time about the hero's journey uh, where we, we're not sure of ourselves. And once you can find your footing and your passion and your authenticity, that's what really mm -hmm. comes through. It's so crazy because, you know, people talk about um, authenticity, but, you know, sometimes being authentic to yourself is a lot easier said than done. You know, we have this thing called being self-aware of who you are. And it's very easy to say, oh, I'm this way or I'm that way or, you know, you're however you believe to be. But that's just it. Sometimes self-awareness is who you believe to be and not who you really are. And so majority of the time, you know, it's it's kind of a biased situation. And so it takes a lot to really step back sort of from yourself, kind of like an outer body experience, if you will, and kind of really take a look at who you are. And I feel like, you know, that time period between junior and senior year is what I kind of did. I kind of took the step back from who I was. I kind of removed myself, you know, from myself, so to speak, yep. to take a look at who I really was. Um, and that's when I kind of noticed that being this person who I kind of was expected to be or told to be or kind of encouraged to be, so to speak, and not the person that I wanted to be or the person, you know, I wanted to grow into or, or the person that I had or had seen for myself. Um, and granted, it no journey is easy. Um, and if there is one, tell me how you do it. Yeah. Um, but there isn't one. There, there no any journey that you go through is never an easy one. Um, it's always bumpy, it's windy, it's curvy, it's up, it's down, it's left, it's right. Um, it's never straightforward. I didn't necessarily grow up in a household where that was kind of discussed. I, I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, between my parents and, and my siblings, I'm kind of the one who, who who stood out the most. You know, I I don't, at least to my knowledge, you know, my brothers or my parents haven't really been on the type of academic professional wavelength that I'm on. Um, and so this, what I'm doing now is kind of new to my family or my immediate family, so to speak. Um, and so it's been difficult because, you know, one, you know, you're trying to figure out 
you know, what to do. But two, you know, people are also trying to figure out what you're doing too. Cause again, this, this is a totally new experience. You know, um, my, my brothers and I still live with my mom. Um, and so all of us are still here. None of us have really left the house. None of us have really ventured off or journeyed off in a sense on our own. And so when, you know, you're the youngest and you're kind of on that track to being independent and being on your own, um, it, get, it gets a bit tough, um, especially being the girl. You know, it, it's it's a little bit more than tough um, because, you know, you know, girls need to be protected, so to speak. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot harder. But I believe that if it wasn't a challenge, it's not worth it. Yeah, you, um, you only grow when you, when you get out of your, your comfort zone. And I think we mentioned that before. Uh, so how are you yeah. how are you doing that? How are you managing, you know, the, the stresses of being somebody who's authentic, but also doing things that nobody's done in your family. So it's not like you can follow uh, necessarily, you know, what other people have done. Right. So um, it kind of took a while for me to figure that out. Um, because um, as I said before, it was easier when I had a balance, so to speak, where um, I could be who I was at home and I could be somebody else at school. Um, but, you know, trying to be this authentic person, you know, doing it different, so to speak, um, it has been hard, but, but it kind of goes back to being self-aware, you know, you could talk about anything, but when it comes to talking about, you know, yourself in the sense of who you are, you know, what you're really about, that's where it kind of, kind of becomes hard because I can go on and on about what I've done, you know, what I'm going to do, what I have, you know, and this, this, and that. But when I talk about, you know, myself, it, it tends to get really hard. Like, who truly is Angelique? Um, and so one of the greatest things, and I and I honestly believe this, and I'm a big, big advocate for this as well. Um, I actually started therapy for the very first time ever. Also, one thing about therapy, and I and it kind of goes back to being biased, therapy provides that unbiased perspective. And this also goes back to perspective. It provides that unbiased perspective um, that people don't really know that they need, um, you know, for, you know, for so long, you have people around you who know so much about what's going on about you. Um, but it's great to have that third person who doesn't really know anything about you. And, you know, is genuinely hearing you out. Um, but aside from therapy, um, what I usually do, um, and I think this has become something super important, um, not only do I keep myself busy, but I keep myself organized. Um, and I think this is incredibly important because keeping myself like right now, looking at my office slash room, um, I have posted notes. I have a chalkboard full of to-do lists. Um, my calendar has times and dates for this and that and this. Um, and I say that this is important because yes, it keeps me busy, but at the same time, it reminds me that I have a plan, that I have a goal. Um, and each thing that I have, you know, on my to-do list or my calendar, I always see it as little steps to take towards reaching that goal. Um, and even these, because these can even be little milestones to a, to a bigger end game. Um, and so I always try my best to, you know, remind myself that this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to get there. And this is who I want to become. 
Um, and I, one also, another important thing that I think is really important is to remember that it's okay to change. It's okay to transform because not all transformations or change is bad. And I feel like that's where I really had a lot of trouble with it in the beginning of my journey because people, um, like I said before, kept saying, oh, Angie, you changed or, you know, you know, you're different. And of course, like, you know, when people say that you change, you, the first thing you think is that I, I change for the wrong what reasons that I change for, you know, in a bad way. But not all change is bad. And I feel like, you know, that's something that you have to remind yourself is that people change and people transform. Sometimes or majority of the time, it's for the better. As you go through different experiences and new experiences in life, of course, you know, that experience is going to change your outlook or something or change your perspective or change how you do something. Um, yeah, you have to reassess. So all, you have to reassess, you know, at all times, right? You, you not only remember where you were, and also as mm -hmm. long as you know where you're, you know, it's kind of like being on a ship. You, if, as long as you keep the North Star or wherever you're going, you know, yep. and, and follow that, that's the way to do it. And then reassess it, right? The winds come, push you a little bit this way. And, you know, is that a good thing mm -hmm. or is that not a bit good thing? And by reassessing that and, you know, reevaluating, and I always go recalibration, you know, I use a lot of R yep. words, but, you know, the recalibration is really important because in any relationship and even in our own lives, you know, to mm -hmm. recalibrate where we might have wanted to go at the beginning might not be where we want to go now because of right. gathering those that more information. And this kind of went back with how I kind of, quote unquote, conquered my imposter syndrome instead of working against the change, instead of working against the imposter syndrome. I worked with it. When you work with it, you see that not everything is so bad. Everything can have an advantage to it and every, everything can have a positive effect. Um, and that's kind of how I've been really managing and, and you know, kind of going through my journey um, is that I try not to force something to or not to happen. I kind of go with it. And if I can, you know, put my little input or, you know, put my little effect into it, great. And if I can, all right, I'll work with what I got. Um, but I always make sure that as I'm going with it, I'm making sure that I'm in the position that I want to be, that rolling with this change or rolling with my partial syndrome or rolling with the times um, is going to get me to where I want to go. And it's not going to take me in another direction I didn't want it to go or put me back in a position I don't want to go back to. Um, and so, you know, tracking it and moving with it really you know helps you stick with it um and i think that's something very important that like i said that i carry with me and that i make sure i use you know throughout this transition and this change in this journey that i'm going on but of course you know i'm i'm 21 so i still have a a whole lot a whole lot to experience well that was one that was one of my my questions so you know what what's part of your journey so we, what are the things that you want to do i mean you've already done a lot uh, all the internships, mm -hmm. the opportunities that you had, and to get your better focus younger rather than older. You know, so I'm I'm a person who got a lot of my focus uh, as an older gentleman than when I was a, as young as I, a, as you are. Um, mm -hmm. So, what are some of the the goals and dreams that you want? We can always come back and check on it. So, um, my goals. Um, well, my my ultimate dream is I want to be a lawyer. Now. If you had asked me what kind of lawyer I wanted to be back in high school, I would have told you criminal justice. If you had asked me what type of lawyer I wanted to be going into college, I would have told you entertainment. 
if you had asked me the same question around sophomore, junior year, I would have told you immigration. If you ask me now, I, I want the whole spectrum of social justice, civil rights, minority rights, um, and even juvenile rights. Uh, if you kind of look at everything that I've done, I've somehow uh, subconsciously um, and unknowingly kind of taken my journey on an educational route as well. You know, as you get older and you experience certain things, you know, you, you kind of somehow in the back of your mind think of, oh, I wish I learned this back when I was younger. I wish I knew this. I would have loved to have this conversation with my mother when I was a young kid. I would have loved to learn this when I was in school and stuff like that. Um, and so kind of just having the ability to kind of pass the torch, so to speak, and pass that knowledge on to somebody younger than you who can take that and just run with it, um, I think is such a great advantage to have and such a great an opportunity to take. My 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 goals has definitely gone on, you know, education route. Um, so even today, if you ask me what type of lawyer I want to be, I might just tell you educational lawyer. Um, so there's so many, you know, aspects that I want to take on. Um, but my my ultimate goal is to be a lawyer. Um, and so currently, I am going to be doing an internship called Historical Black Knowledge. And this organization was founded by two incredible um, women um, who wanted to create a, um, a curriculum for African-American history. And they would teach this or implement it in elementary schools to help students learn their Afri African-American culture and their history. Um, and after that, I'm actually doing a fellowship for a year um, with City Year AmeriCorps, where I will be mentoring and tutoring and helping out students um, in different, um, different schools in New York City. It had always been a dream of mine to open my own law firm. And I want to open my own law firm because, you know, I know, you know, law firms can do medical malpractice, they can do divorce, estate, you know, different types of it. Um, and I realized that because there are so many different types of law that I just want to take on all at once. I always wanted to do, I always wanted to have my own law firm where I'm able to practice different types of law. Um, but also I wanted to make sure that I had a practice that was inclusive and that was welcoming. Um, so many times, you know, kind of going back to immigration, you know, so many times some people who, you know, are trying to get their papers in order, you know, trying to get their citizenship, um, you know, sometimes they feel like they devote and put in so much money and some things never happen, maybe not as quick, maybe not at all. Um, and so I always want to make sure that I had a place where they can come in and they can be reassured that, you know, if you give me your money, if you give me your time, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to help you. I'm going to work through this process with you. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of just a bit of like my dreams and my yeah, goals. No, and that's fine. Uh, you, you know, it, it's still, that's why it's it's interesting. You haven't gone to law school yet. So there's, there's still so much mm -hmm. to experience, but you've already experienced some of the social justice. And that's what's really important yeah. is you know that that's the angle and maybe teaching, you know, people to not do things that before. So you've probably had to unlearn things to become your your new self uh, and that means you're going you're to still grow because you're going to still learn some more. You're going to experience some more. But having that passion is really important. Uh, and mm -hmm. to go, you know, going forward, I, I think that's the magical piece. And that's when I talk about 
like those Phoenix moments. You know, Phoenix moment isn't only that I broke down and I'm in the ashes. Sometimes it's just walking through the, the forest and figuring out how to rise yourself uh, above. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what you're doing. I mean, there's, there's still so much excitement for you. Uh, you have a whole lifetime worth of stuff to do. And I sure do. Yeah, you know, I can't wait to, to see and, and hear and, and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll keep it in, in to- contact because I'd love to hear about, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that are going on uh, in your life because it, 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 there's so many similarities. I, w- I wish I would have known all the things I knew that you know now. Uh, you know, the, the trajectory of our, our lives would be so much different. So, mm-hmm. yep. all right. So I know I've taken a lot of your time and I you know, we'll, we'll wrap this up. But is there any message that you'd want to give to somebody? So like you said, you'd like to help young people. So hopefully we're going to get some young people to listen to this. And what what's some advice that you would give or a saying that, that it might be among your favorites? I always say, and I, and I have this saying, I don't say it as often, but I, I do have this saying that I kind of say to myself. Um, with everything that I do, I always do it to inspire others so that entail they will go ahead and inspire somebody else um and kind of start a chain uh a chain so to speak butterfly um, effect right it, it, they call it sometimes the butterfly effect yes yes um and so i always i do what i do to inspire others and so they will so that they can go ahead and inspire others and i feel like this is why i work so well with girls inc because you know they kind of have this system where they try to you know help build up and raise up these young girls in these communities so that these girls can come back and build up more girls. Um, but that's a saying that I have. Um, if I could give one piece of advice, um, and this was something that I, till this day, still have a hard time learning, but I think it's so important. Um, it's okay to step back. Mm-hmm. It's okay to step back and look at yourself. It's okay to step back from the work and take a break. Um, and it's okay to say no sometimes. Uh, I was a yes person. I still am a yes person, not as much, but I'm, I was a yes person. Um, even if I had 10 trillion million things on my plate, I said yes, just piling on. Um, and, you know, because of this, um, I wore myself out. Um, I broke down. You know, I ran out of gas, so to speak. Um and I kind of lost focus of what it is I really want to do, taking on so many things. Because, you know, the more you take on things, the more you kind of lose track of what it is you want to do. Because you're so busy taking on other people's things or things other people need from you to do. So it's okay to step back. It's okay to say no. Um, and it's okay to relax. And the, something else that I would always, that um, I say and I learn, it's okay to ask for help as well. You know, many times we feel like we're kind of in this alone and we have to, you know, carry everything by ourselves. But the truth is, a little do you know, you have a whole village behind you. And even if you ever feel overwhelmed, if you ever feel like you can't do it, it's okay to reach out. Um, And it's okay to say sometimes that you can't do it. We can't do it all when, you know, we're on this journey and, you know, this bumpy, windy (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> non-straight journey that we're all on. Well, that's it. Um, yeah, you know, that, that, so that's, yeah. that's what it's really all about is just finding our ways through the journey. And that's why, you know, your voice is so important to not only the work that you're doing, but, you know, those messages of, of finding, being allowing 
to ask for help. That's a really powerful thing to do where most people don't, right? Because a lot of things, you know, I can't ask for help or I don't know is is a scary mm-hmm. thing to do. So thank you so much for your time. And, you know, as always, you know, it was a joy and pleasure to talk to you. And I can't wait to hear how things are going to keep changing for you and any way that I could do to support you, you know, just reach out, uh, you know, with, with all the different resources, you know, use me as a resource as well. So for my guests, just peace, love is really easy, but you have to manage that and always find your sweet spot. And when you do swing away, thank you. I am really glad that you're enjoying the show, and I hope you follow us on all the podcast hosting sites, as well as Facebook, Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, or you can follow me, Uncle Dave, David Chemetsky, at Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, and www.davidchemetsky.com. I also would enjoy for you to contact me if you want to just have some feedback. You need somebody to talk to at peace, love, bring a bat at gmail.com. Well, my friends, today's journey has come to a close. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember the peace and love surround you that will assist you to rise again. And don't forget to bring a bat for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.